Amen. Well, this morning, I just want to uh, start off with, uh, if anyone, and, and I don't, I just want any kind of a question. Is there any question about uh, what is going on in Israel and how that pertains to us as the church and the different messages that God has given us concerning uh, these things. Does anyone have a question, comment? reason that I ask that, is, and I do, is because I, ju I just have so much from God. <laughs> I, I just have so much from God. And, and I mean that by, obviously, by his pure grace. And the, so much that I have is all of ours. I want to make that clear. The so much that I have is all of ours. It is. Some know it better than others, but it's still ours. And thank God for that. But the reason that I ask questions at times is because that I have so much from God, I don't even know where to start. And so I... And at these times, I just leave it up to, to God uh, through someone or anyone. <laughs> if they have a question about something, then what God usually does is he really opens it up. I know for me, on my heart, I, I, just, I, I just can't separate, you know, the, uh, the fact of who we are in Christ in the most beautiful way the privilege that we have to function in Christ and when we submit to him and when we do, we, we experience his love, but it doesn't stop there. We have a love for each other and I still experience those things. We are still to have joy, but in these times, I don't know how we could not have a godly sorrow and yet still have joy, but not have that godly sorrow. I, I uh, it, there's just far too many uh, scriptures. There's far too many thoughts of God's mind revealed through His Word to bring us, and that has to do with the place that we are. I think more than ever, where we are right now, as those that are of the church that still remain on the earth, where multitudes that are of the church, the body of Christ, the bride, of which he's the head, are in heaven. But for us on this earth right now, there is a time, never before in my life, where God would use all of these things that are going on, and at the same time, and again, I say it for this time period that we're in, there is to be unbelievable joy because we know in Psalm 16, 11, there is joy in, the, in his presence. And when in Psalm 16, verse 8, we set the Lord before our face, we won't be moved. And, and those things are true. But I think like never before, never before, if I understand Romans, the 11th chapter, if I understand uh, the first two chapters of Romans, never mind just the first chapter, but chapters two and three. I cannot see, I cannot look, I cannot put my head in the sand 
And, and again, without sorrowing for what is going on in Israel. Now, and by the way, worldwide too, by the way. Worldwide. And I believe that God will use and does use for me personally the sorrow in my heart of what is, and by the way, I believe that's a shared sorrow with him, by the way. I believe the sorrow that we have, the reason it's called godly in 2 Corinthians 7.10 is because we share it. It's part of our call as the church on the earth. And that's part of our prophecy, is not to fear it. Again, in 2 Peter 1.19-21, it's not fearing it. it. It's not, but it's entering into in our prayer life, with their sorrows. And God would use that to bring us the church. I, I'm, listen, I, I can't even... Li- there is just so much. There's just so much. But what, what I'm saying is this. this is, I believe this is what God is, is saying and bringing to us uh, this morning. And, and to understand it this this way. I mean, even as we look at Second Peter, the fourth chapter. Now, you know, to understand these scriptures and to understand them the right way, of course, the only way that we can do that, any of us, is to submit wholly to God and to trust Him. Because there's nothing in us Nothing in us that could ever function properly with those scriptures apart from submitting to him in a continual way. But, you know, Peter, Peter, he was, and some think, and unfortunately the hyper-dispensationalists or the ultra-dispensationalists will, will, will say that there were two different Gospels in the day of Peter and in the day of Paul, which we know, of course, is absolutely incorrect. Paul had to correct Peter because he was going back to the wrong gospel again. And we see that in Galatians, the second chapter. He withstood him to the face. And, uh, but again, Peter was sent to the, to the uh, circumcision, the Jews, to teach them, to get them to a point of salvation. At this particular time with the church, God is forming the church starting in Acts, the second chapter, not the ninth chapter, 13th chapter, 22nd chapter, or 26th chapter, but in the second chapter, clearly, clearly, because the beginning, the beginning of the church, we have to understand this, and I, I think that we can understand in a much greater way the engrafting, which is again brought out in Romans, the 11th chapter, Christians can't boast they can't boast against the Jews because we're grafted in. And I think that what that means, again, in, in a huge way, but, but grafted in is because the church, when it began, those believers that were born again were Jews. You see that in Acts second chapter. So that would help us in our understanding completely of Romans the 11th chapter. We are not grafted in and, and don't become part in the sense of the wrong sense of the millennial reign for the Jews. We don't. We rule and reign with Christ because we're at the height of intimacy with him. We are married to him. 
and he is their king, finally. I can't even tell you how many scriptures or what it goes into, prophecy, talking about Jesus Christ. Read the Psalms. You know, the Psalms it, it, it is God de- was God and dealing with the nation of Israel from the time that they rejected him in John 1.11. And it hasn't changed his love for him for them. It hasn't. Even God had put the word on, on posting about with those with an antagonistic will towards him. Does he cut them off completely? No, of course he doesn't. He's not willing that any should perish in Second Peter 3 and verse 9. He's not willing. And again, in, in Ezekiel 18 and verse 23, he's not willing that the sinner should die in 24. He's not willing for that to happen. Peter was sent to those Jews to bring them into salvation. To bring them into salvation at this time where God is forming the church in Acts, the second chapter. You can look at his messages, the word that God had given him in the second chapter, third chapter, fourth chapter, those messages that he preached. And, and we can see them very, very clearly. And he was preaching to the Jews to bring them into the body of Christ, to bring them into that particular place. And so he was the apostle sent to win the Jews back to Christ. Paul is for all other nations, all the other nations. But by the time the Jews come in, in all other nations, is ethnicity the question at all? The answer is it's not. We are all one in him. That is Jesus Christ's high priestly prayer in John 17, 11, 21, and 22. That is brought out with the church. And you can see 17, 11, 21, and 22. Of course he means that for the Jews, and it has to do with millennial reign. But for us in Christ, heavenly, that is right now. He will be the peace for the Jews that they so desperately want and trying to establish themselves apart from him, which they can't do, not until he comes back. And that's brought out in prophecy in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14, it's the sign of Emmanuel is brought out in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 to bring out the reality of, of Isaiah 9 and verse 6. He's going to be the wonderful counsel, counselor, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And upon, but upon his shoulders will be the government, which means the kingdom on the earth. That's not going to happen. He's called the prince of peace. Is he for the Jews right now? No. Is he for us? In Ephesians 2 and verse 14, yes. Based upon the cross, Colossians 1 and verse 20. Him finishing the work, and that's the difference where he had to say in John the 10th chapter and the 16th verse that he had to lead those Jewish disciples that did recognize him as the Messiah, their Savior at that particular time, where he said, I am leading you out of this fold, that the fold there is all the Jews that continually rejected him. Even up to this point, there's multitudes, and I hate to say this, and we still pray and love, there's multitudes that are crying out in pain and anger and torture that really 
And hopefully God will use it to turn their hearts towards him. But there's multitudes that don't even think of him. They just think of a national country, just like the Jews of old. They wanted a king like Saul. We see what happened there with, with the history. And we see God's choice, uh, David, versus what would come in the outward appearance. And we see that brought out in prophecy with Christ in Isaiah 53 and verse 2. There was no beauty in him that we would desire him. And there's multitudes. There are multitudes that are born, born again, saved there. There are. But it's becoming, it's becoming a huge opportunity too. And by the way, God will have his way. But at the same time, that does not erase nor do away with the sorrow that we have. And I say we with Christ because he's their Messiah. He's our, he's our head in Colossians 1.18 and Colossians 2 and verse 19. We're his body in Ephesians 5.30 and in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. We're all members in particular in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. And we will see that in a most unbelievable way. So to understand 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27, how particularly each member is, but that's brought out in Revelation 2 and verse 17 in a beautiful way. But get, get, not, not taking a sidetrack, what is going on there is just incredible. We are in these times. Listen, folks, we are in the time of sorrows. We are in the time of sorrows. The end hasn't come. And that is, that is the seven-year tribulation and then the last three and a half years and then finally it comes to an end. We see that in Revelations, the 19th chapter. But we are in the time of sorrows. How do we know? Look at the signs that are brought out. And you can even see what preceded the 24th chapter of Matthew by the 23rd chapter. It is all their rejection. It was their rejection of him. Their, and their rejection, is that all it was? Was their rejection? No, it was intense cruelty and hatred. And now it's being brought back upon those Jews. And yet we can't help but sorrow. You know, in Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. You cannot blaspheme. You cannot mock. You cannot mock God. Whatsoever you sow, you will reap. You will reap. Now, Peter was sent to the Jews. We see this in the book of Acts. Even in the council that they had in Acts, the 15th chapter, based upon what Peter saw. And he had to be taught that. And we see that in Acts, the 10th chapter, what he had to be taught. Well, you don't call anything unclean or common that God has called. And that was what he was teaching them. Again, the fullness of it. And of course, the fullness of it didn't come in the fullness that we have until he had to get a hold of Saul, humble him, and give him all this heavenly truth that is ours. I posted it uh, recently in answer to someone who put something on. I did it last night. And God had me just stop in my track and, and tracks and post and the difference between the Jews and the church, the difference between God's earthly people and God's heavenly people. 
the difference between kingdom teaching and, and the kingdom of God and multitudes of Christians have no idea and so they're very confused by things. They're very, very confused by them. Again, Peter was sent with the same gospel to the Jews and we know that based on Galatians, the second chapter. And we know it from his own mouth. Things that were hard for him to understand, he said in 2 Peter 3 and verse 16 and 17, and they that do it tear the scriptures out of their context and mix them up to their own destruction, their own confusion. And he said that they were hard because for so long he was taught kingdom truth by Jesus Christ. But something new happened in Acts, the second chapter. And so Peter was sent there. And so here we have this, but we have God's warning for the Jews way back here. Read the Psalms, they are filled with tears. They are filled with tears. Read the Psalms. No one, no one cried more tears than our precious Savior. No one. And he never cried one for himself. <laughs> it was for his father. It's for us as church. And can't and, and then just waiting in Isaiah 30, verse 18, to, for the Jews to make that statement in Psalm 118, verse 24. Oh, oh, this is the day the Lord has made finally. That's kingdom, millennial reign. This is the day that the Lord has made. We'll finally be glad and rejoice in it. But he had to tell them, and he told them, and he told them, so look at how he sent the prophets to them constantly and how they stoned them and what they did. What he was finally done with them in any measure, in any great measure, by the time we got to Acts, the second chapter, when they finally stoned Stephen because it was the Holy Spirit. They rejected God through his prophets. They rejected Jesus Christ himself. God and the, the greatest manifestation and revelation and truth of God in humanity for all eternity. And they rejected him. And finally, they rejected him. You see how they were gnashing their teeth on him? Cursing and, and, and the Jews functioning in hatred towards him. And he said, you, you stiff-necked people. Moses said that to the Jews. You stiff-necked people, you, un, you with hardened wills, unsubmitted, will not submit to God. And they ran on Stephen, stoning him with hatred. Do you think that they sowed that to themselves and it's being returned? Again, it breaks my heart with godly sorrow and God using that godly sorrow to bring me back to the day dawning Christ in my heart. And to be so thankful for all things in Ephesians 5.20 and to be thankful in all things in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. And we can never have that apart from a yoke. Oh, how he told them when they were attributing all his works to demons and to the devil. Well, obviously, they were in a fixed state. That's why it's called the unpardonable sin, by the way. Without getting into that this morning. But he had to, 
warn the Jews countless times. Then you see their suffering. And if you do a study on the, on the Jews and Jewish history, if you do a study on that, that's the utter shame and ignominy and hatred towards them because they rejected their Messiah. Some won't like to hear this. They won't like to hear that. You know, but that's the truth in John 1, 11. He came unto his own, the nation of Israel, his own people. Boy, if anyone knows what it's like to be rejected, he and his impeccable humanity with the deepest love we could ever imagine, he was rejected. We see that same rejected, rejection in Matthew, the 11th chapter. And that's why you see it. You see it. Read that chapter. By the time you get to verse 27, now we can understand verse, verses 28 to 30. Come unto me. Come unto me. And, and even with the sorrow now, and, I, and I have, I've had to learn this because God had to warn me. Yes, yes, you're to have sorrow, but don't allow the enemy to get it into the flesh and draw you away from your intimacy with Christ. That's why you need a yoke. And that's why we have to come unto him with that sorrow for them, for all our sorrow. But as, I think especially for me what is going on right now in Israel. How could we not sorrow and, be and not be touched by that? How could we? How could anybody? And yet there are. And we wonder why there's a hell. And we wonder why there's a lake of fire. By the way, which is eternal, by the way. Hell is eternally cast into the eternal lake of fire. That's Revelation chapter 20, 11 to 15. That's crystal clear in the scriptures. He had to warn the Jews constantly. Constantly. And he did in Jeremiah 9, verse 23. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Boy, we can glean from this. It's our wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 1, 24. Our power and our wisdom is Christ. And we're kept by that power. In 1 Peter 1, 5. And I do believe we're kept by that power. Having a godly sorrow, but still joying in Christ. That's why we need the yoke. That's why we need to come unto him. Not for only our personal things. And when we do come to him, we don't, and coming to him right now simply means that, that we are giving ourselves independence to prayer so he can give us the word, proper understanding, and that's Acts 6 and verse 4. We need to come to him with that sorrow so it doesn't enter into the flesh. And that's Ephesians 4. In verse 26, be angry, but don't sin. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. <laughs> don't you worry. And I could say this to the, to the Jews, and I'm praying for their salvation, multitudes, opportunities, and God's giving them. And don't think that God's not giving them an opportunity, even in the worst circumstances and situations, because he is. He's not willing for any to perish. Not willing for any. And all those babies that were killed and beheaded, they're instantly in his presence. It's hard. It's tough. But it's, it's true. They're in his presence. They're safe. Jeremiah 9.23, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. <laughs> Is there any outside of Christ? 
Well, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, deals with that. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. You know, the ones that were seeking to take Christ in the garden in, in John, the 18th chapter, all he did was speak the word to them. When he said, I am, <laughs> they fell back. They didn't take him. He gave himself to them. He gave himself to his father in propitiation. Again, that's John 18, verse 6. They fell back. He gave himself to his father in propitiation. And in doing so, with the justice and integrity and righteousness and holiness of God as nature, character, and essence being met in propitiation, God the Father was free to give us his son who's for us. He's for us. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. America. America, while it's going on, while this is going on, all over the world, glory not in your riches. Glory not. This is a time of prayer. I believe it's a time of tears, sorrow, but tears of joy too. Can't have them without, without a yoke. It's a time of prayer. Why do we wait when we know that God tells us to do certain things, to go certain places? What causes us to wait? <laughs> time is short. 1 Corinthians 7.29 Redeem it. Ephesians 5.16 Because time will be no more in Revelation 10.6 But, separated from all of that, let him that glory, glories in this, that he understands. He understands and knows without a submissive will. That he understands, this is knowledge, but now he submit to it, he submits, and now he experiences it. To know me. Listen to what Jesus' prayer was in John 17, 1, 2, and 3. It was to know him. We know him as the church with the peace that Christ is for us. We know him now. They will because prophecy is judgment on the earth and even those that don't want to know him never did and never wanted to will know him. That's prophecy. They will know him and that's why in Isaiah 45:23 Philippians 2, 9 to 11, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. There'll be a lot of confessing that will still do it in hatred, but they still have to confess it. And that's those in hell and in the lake of fire forever. Every knee will bow. It says in things in heaven, that's us. Things on the earth, that's his kingdom. Things under the earth. Many believe that hell is in the center of the earth. And I don't know, but I know it's hot. I know the center of the earth is hot, and I know hell is hot. And I know in Isaiah 14, 9, it says hell beneath is moved to greet you. That I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, Judgment, which has to do with justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. 
Now this is what's going on in Israel to this second. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will punish all them that are circumcised with the uncircumcised. Hamas, Hezbollah, you name it, Iran. Huge opportunity. And then, of course, during the millennial reign, Joel 3 and verse 14, there'll be multitudes, multitudes in the valley. What's the valley? Valley Megiddo. Multitudes, multitudes, and, and we won't be there, by the way. Revelation 3.10 makes that crystal clear. Christ finished the work for us in John 19 and verse 30. It's not up to us to do anything, to go through the tribulation, or even partially, like some thought, and still teach to this day. The Greek word in Revelation 3.10 is not dia, D-I-A, through, it's ek, out. And that's why we're called the church, the ecclesia, the called out assembled ones. That's why we're in the world. We don't live like the world. We're in the world, but not of it. In John 17.16, because Jesus wasn't in 17 and verse 14. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will punish them that are circumcised with the, uncir with the uncircumcised, all those nations. Egypt, verse 26, and Judah, Edom, study it out, and the children of Ammon and Moab, and all that are in the utmost corners that dwell in the wilderness, for all these nations are uncircumcised. Unsubmitted will and hatred toward God, fueled by the enemy. And all the house of Israel, uncircumcised in the heart. Many do know, but are still uncircumcised. Now that's the, what's going on in Israel. How does it pertain to us? That's what's going on. We are in the time of sorrows, Matthew the 24th chapter. The end is not yet, you'll see it in there. Are we that generation that is witnessing this right now? Listen, Iran does not do one single thing apart from China and Russia. They don't do a single thing. Mark it down. This is evil genius spiritual planning from the enemy, Satan. There's absolutely no question about that. And we are in these times. Now, what, how does this pertain to us? What should this do? Okay, this is what this should do, and I'll, again, we see this, again, here, and I'm going to read Second Peter again, Second Peter 1, and you can read it, the verses all the way up to it, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19, we also have a more sure word of prophecy. Prophecy deals with the earth, God's people, and all his enemies. We are a heavenly people. Read the epistle to Ephesians and Colossians. Read it, and if you can't get taught or you can't get the proper teaching, trust God and read it. We also, Christians, also those in Christ, have a more sure word of prophecy. Certain, it says, 
certain. Whereunto you do well that you take heed. That's what we're to do. Christians, right now, we're to take heed. As unto a light that shines in a dark place. Is the earth lit up now with glory or is it dark right now? Is it violence everywhere? Genesis 6.11. Is violence everywhere a sign of the Son of Man coming as it was in the days of Noah in Matthew 24 and verse 37? Yes. That a light that shines in the dark place. What's that? That's Christ in you and I right now, the treasure, the light. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure, treasure in these fragile clay jars that the excellency of, of the power may be of God and doesn't have a single thing to do with us. No man can take credit. No one can. All our credit is in him. All our worth is in Christ. All our credit is in him. Thank God. As unto a light that shines in a dark place. That's the light is shining and leading us on. That's the path in Proverbs 4 and verse 18. It's getting lit up more and more until we finally face him. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Revelations 2 and verse 17, when we face him. And then it says, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. I believe this has to do with Revelations 2 and verse 17. What a day that will be. That's the eternal day. And that can, that can be happening even now, but the fullness of it will be when we're face to face. Until the day star arise in your hearts. Notice that? That's why Jesus said, store up treasures where moth and rust don't come in. The moth eats it away. The rust decays it, hoarding things. For where your treasure is, there will your heart, your whole mindset be. And you've got to have a single eye. This is Matthew 6, 19 to 24. You cannot serve two masters. Christians can't do it. Whatever we do, we're to do it in Colossians 3, 17 and 3, 23 and 24. We're to do it hardly as unto the Lord. Ecclesiastes 10, 9 and 10. We're to do it hardly as unto the Lord. I don't care what it is. If it's not for his glory, it's the activity and action of the flesh. Until the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing this first. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. You wouldn't believe the interpretation. God's not making this earth right now a better place. The church is not to make the worldly community better. They're to bring them into the church to get ready to be raptured off the earth. Because there's nothing good right now on this earth other than Christ and him in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not to private, a lot of private interpreters. A lot of private interpreters. And they want to enter into the church. Listen, you see that in Acts, the 20th chapter, and you can see it in 29 and 30. They want to come right in. 
and draw men away, just like the, the Gnostics in Paul's day, in Galatians, the sixth chapter, verses 12 and 13. But we know we're separated from that. Thank God, through the preaching and teaching of the word in Galatians 6 and verse 14, God forbids that I should glory. God forbids that I should glory. The cross has cut that off. Cut off the old man in Romans 6, 1 through 6. Dealt with all of our sins. Remove them. Psalm 103 and verse 12. Just remove them. They're gone. He doesn't treat us after them. He treats us just like he treats the son whose life that whose life is ours in Colossians 3 and verse 4. Not any private interpretation. And by the way, that includes women teaching men. Okay, I'm going to make that crystal clear. Crystal clear. And I, and I do mean that. For the protection of women, they don't take the lead. They do not take the lead. And I mean this in any relationship. Because they, if they do, they're not protected. They're open to deception. We see that in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. And then we, we begin to see the role reversal. And men making all kinds of excuses. Of, of, and become cloaks to cover... And what is a cloak? It's a lie that we use to cover the shame that we know, but still function it. And that's John 15 and verse 22. We're not to have that shame in 2 Timothy 1.12. We're had to have Christ formed in us in 1.13 of 2 Timothy to have Christ formed in us. So that we don't fall under the spell of the atmosphere in 1, John, 1 Timothy 4.1 and 2 and get seduced. And like some, they have a form of godliness. They form God by their own thoughts in John 10 and verse 4. In John, at, at Psalm 10 and verse 4, I should say. Psalm 10 and verse 4 and Psalm 50 and verse 21. They form God after their own thoughts. They make him what they want him to, de- to be based upon their lusts. That's why riches, you better be careful of them. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. Be careful of them. Those are the things of the world. It's one thing to hate the world, and then it's another, the things of the world. And I mean especially young people. Be careful what you hear. Listen, Mark 4.24, be careful what you hear. That includes music. I'm going to say it again. That includes the beat. And I mean it. Be careful how you hear in Luke 8.18. And be more ready to hear in James 1 and verse 19. That's crystal clear. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. You see why we need to have our will submitted? But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the theologian and scholar, the Holy Spirit. Not a man with some degree. The Holy Spirit. Look at the word Theo. God, Logan, word. Look at it. The Holy Spirit. Where are we right now as we begin to close this morning? 
and we're going to go into these things in a much deeper way and really fill in so many, just fill in as God would have us to do. And look, none of us, me, none of us, none of us. I put myself on an equal scale with everybody. I don't know anything until he shows it to me. And when he does, I won't know it until I submit to it. Where are we now? Where are we right now as Christians? Yes, that's what's going on in Israel prophecy. Where are we right now? It, does God want to light us up with the word right now? With Christ, the word? Yeah. Read the first three chapters of First Peter. And then we come to the fourth chapter. 1 Peter 4, verse 1, For as much as then as Christ has suffered for us in his body, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Scores of Christians don't want to hear anything about how they should suffer. Well, we might as well cross out Philippians 1 and verse 29. 2 Timothy 2, 12. Romans 8, 18. For as much as Christ has suffered for us, in his body, arm yourselves with what? With the same mind, the mind of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 16, Philippians 2, 5. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men. There's no time for that. That's my wake up. This is God. This is light. Hey, you see what's going on? Do you see the time of sorrows? You're in it. You're in it. Thank God you're not of it. But you're in it. You're close to seeing your precious Savior. That, that He, all of us can put our name there, no longer should live the rest of His time in the flesh. Silliness, playing games. There's no time for games. I wish I could say it enough. You think there is. The enemy wants to deceive us. This time, it's okay to do it. Right now, I don't think it is okay. I don't. Not well for me. I'll speak for myself. And then God will speak to you like only he can. No longer live the rest of your time in the flesh to the lust of men, but separated from that to the will of God. How did Jesus live? He's our life. How did he live on the earth? Did he have a thing to do with the world? He was diametrically opposed, and to that measure, he was hated with intense cruelty and hatred. I posted it last night on someone's line. The two most hated people groups on the planet are Jews and Christians. Listen. It's time for us to wake up. Listen. Those evil people are in our country right now. If you don't think they have a plan, if we think that what happened, did 9-11 happen in our country? Did we stop it? Time is short. It's time for men to come together and pray and to be taught and to go out and teach like never before like never before if we don't if we think it's not going to happen and it, listen it's already gosh it's been happening for so long 
in our country. Unfortunately, some of us have laid our heads to sleep in the world. And that's Ephesians 5, 13 and 14. Awake. Time to wake up. Our wake-up call. But to the will of God for the time past of our life, many suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness. Christians, <laughs> listen. No. No. No, when you come together, pray, have the word, every opportunity, seriously, honestly. Read Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Do so without condemnation, but read those first five verses. Is it okay? No, it says, but rather giving of thanks, foolish jesting and pitying and no, please, no. Rather giving of thanks. What's that mean? Our minds are on Christ, not on ourselves. Lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, partying. Let's get together and party and have it called, call it fellowship and act goofy and silly. <sighs> Who's our object? Isn't it Christ? I should make someone else my object? No. No time for it. No time for it at all. None. No time. Abominable idolatries. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them anymore with the same excess of riot. Speaking evil of you the minute you do. Some, some just do it secretly. Some do it secretly. Like the man that came to Jesus at night. You read it in, Luke, in John the first chapter. He came to him at night. He knew it was true, but there was still shame. Is that how we're going to approach him? Because of areas of our life we're still living in? And we know we shouldn't do it. God's given us crystal clear definition this morning. I'm just telling you right now, he is. Speaking evil of you, who will give account to him that is ready to judge the living and the dead. This beam is seat for us, but it's going to be the great white throne. It's going to be the great white throne for multitudes, multitudes. For this cause was the gospel preached un, un, also to them that are dead. See that? See? Death is not extinction or annihilation. Make it clear. Death. Separated. That are separated from That they might be judged according to men in the flesh and live according to God in the spirit. Men that preach in the body. In their bodies. Preaching in their physical bodies. But the end of all things is at hand. It's at hand, it is, it's at hand. Be you therefore sober. Be not drunk with wine. Some of this literally needs to be true with, by the way. But it's really coming under the atmosphere. The, the, the atmosphere. The prince and power of the air, breathing him in. Living just like he would have us to live. In the bondage of sin. In John 8 and verse 34. Be you sober. 
and watch unto prayer. You want to get together and have fun? Don't! Pray! Prayer. We need it more than ever. Spiritual warfare. Read Ephesians 6, 10. Look at verse, look at verse, look at them. 18 and 19. Romans 12, 12. Read it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. Constant dependence. He's constantly our object. Not each other. Oh, got to stop. The end of all things is at hand. Be you therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent agape. You see charity and ditch that one. Self-sacrificial love. You hear that one? Stop living for yourselves. Read 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. You don't, we're not to live for ourselves. We're to live as one in the body of Christ. Fervent, fervent agape love among yourselves. For agape, self-sacrificial love, will cover the multitude of sins. Cover it and deal with it, not allow it in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, or in 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. Use hospitality one to another. Yeah, that's given. What is hospitality? It's given of your material things. Come into my house. Hey, 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 let me serve you food, drink. What, what do you need? Hospitality. Without grudging. As every man has received the gift. Boy, I wish this one. That This is going into, he gave some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, not all. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the poikilos, the manifold grace of God. This goes into again, this poikilos here, poikilos goes into again our, our fellowship with him forever in Revelations 2 and verse 17. Without going into that uh, this morning. If any man speak, let him speak as, and it's not plural, it's singular, the oracle, the one thought of God, the word of God, Jesus Christ himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let him speak as the oracle of God. Listen, if any man minister, let him do it, listen, as of the ability. Some try to do it and don't have the ability. That's James 3.1. Many of you are becoming teachers when you yourself don't even know what is taught and it's present imperative with military snap and command, stop it! Stop it! Women preaching men, stop it! Young women and other young children, yes. Women preaching and teaching to men, stop it! Real popular, huh? Let him do it as the ability which God gives. This goes into Ephesians 4.8. The men that he gives, those men are the gifts himself because they're attached to him. Then 
Then the apostles, of which I know more, to, to establish and finish the canon of scriptures, the rule and reign of them, the line of thinking and understanding, without going into a lot of other verses this morning. And then, he, and then those are the men that have the gifts. In Ephesians 4, 11, we see it. There's, there's, some, there's no more apostles. There's no more prophets in the sense of the word. But there are evangelists and pastors and teachers. That's what we have today. This is all part of our waking up, by the way. It's all part of our waking up. Watch. Let him do it as the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever, forever. Now, Christians, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try it, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory will be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And if you be reproached, you wouldn't believe. All the reproaches went on Christ. And we share them as part of us being in him. In Psalm 69, 9 and Psalm 69, verse 20. All those reproaches. Everything that the enemy's doing in hatred against those Jews is because they, they hate God. They may not know it, but the enemy that drives them does. That's why we're to love one another and not uncover one another and deal with things properly. That's You read John 13, those 35 verses and how we should operate based upon Christ's in those first verses there. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, his nature and character, happy are you for the spirit of glory and of Christ rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. Some think when it says you shall not kill, in the, in the ten Hebrew words, ten commandments in Exodus 20, 3 to 17, they think it's killing, period. No, it says don't murder. Don't murder. People should be put to death. So much of what is going on in this country is a result of driving God out. Out. Get the word out. Get him out. Capital punishment. Get it out. Instituted by God. For protection. That's Genesis 9, chapter, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a busybody. That's Christians. By the way, this is Christians uncovering other Christians and glorying in their failure and sins. I trust you enough so I can throw up in your ear about this stuff. Don't put up with it for a second. Now, there, is, there are things that we have to do in God's order and government, but it's always done in love. But those things need to be done. You see that in 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. Again, in 2 Corinthians, the 2nd chapter, by the time you get to the 10th verse. Not as a busybody in other men's matters. 
Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, those in Christ, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory. Let him glorify God on his behalf. Now here's, this is for us. Remember the warning to the Jews? Jeremiah 9, 23, 24, specifically verse 25, yes. For the time has come that, here's the King James judgment, doesn't say that at all, chastisement, chastisement must, must, that's John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. I, areas of the flesh. Chastisement. Loving chastisement. The first step of grace. Loving chastisement. Instruction through the word that many times we don't like. And consider it to be none of anyone's business when those things intrude on areas of our flesh. When it's not the word of men, it's the word of God. And if it's received that way, it works effectually in you in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. For the time has come that chastisement must begin at the house of God. And if at first begin at us, what will the end of, be of them that obey not the gospel of Christ? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where will the ungodly and the sinners appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God Commit the keeping of the souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. And then you see how the gift operates in the fifth chapter. And how that goes into those first three chapters of Second Peter. And then in down through to the end. These are times that we are living in. We are to and we are to continue, and we're going to. And I, I look forward with you, for me and all of us, growing in the beauty of Christ and who He is in us, in a beautiful, incredible way. But never before has time brought us to the place where there is a righteous, godly sorrow, a righteous, godly sorrow. And thank God our godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7.10 keeps out worldly sorrow, which is condemnation and guilt. And boy, it, it brings us to a prayer for uh, uh, the people in our country, in our neighborhoods. Are we too busy living for ourselves? In our neighborhoods? Our Jerusalem? We don't get it right in Jerusalem. How about Judea? Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world? No. And that's local assembly too, by the way. Well, a lot of soberness. That, and it's his love that's doing it, by the way. It's his love so that we don't live in confusion in 1 Corinthians 14.33, but that we experience the life that Christ is for us in his peace. And Father, we thank you so much for your precious word this morning. We thank you and praise you. And, and uh, thank you, Lord. You need to sober us up with who we are in Christ, the beauty and joy of that, the rest of it. And just letting us know through these sorrows, as you deal with us in our own personal life and in our own personal life, and then using these things that are going on in the world to, to do that, to bring us back to a place of rest.
and the day dawning in our heart. Father, we pray. I pray with you for multitudes. First, for our brothers and sisters, Christians, those that are in Christ, being tortured all around the world while we still live here with freedom. I do pray for them, God, and I want to keep that truth before me, Father, me personally. And then I want to pray, God, in Psalm 122, verse 6, for the, for the peace of Israel. Because, you know, you said they'd be prospering there. And I do believe that part of that prospering, when we do, is godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is great. There's no, there's no condemnation in it. There's plenty of conviction in it. Father, I pray for those in Ukraine and all around the world, Father, but I pray this morning specifically for Israel, those people. God only knows what they're going through. Those held in captivity, I pray for... Man, I want to pray more for anybody right now as Benjamin Netanyahu. I'm praying for his salvation that he would recognize Messiah as the one that his forefathers missed and rejected. Let him see it's not a political thing. There'll never be any rest there until Christ comes back to establish his kingdom and set it up right in Jerusalem on this earth. And I pray for him. Give him wisdom. Give him military might. Give him protection. But most of all, for the multitudes there, I pray for their opportunity to turn to Christ. To see that it was the Messiah that was rejected is the same one as their Savior, their Deliverer. As Moses was the type, as Aaron, the types that pointed to Christ. Father, we thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your grace, and your unconditional love. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.